The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, host of Interfaith-ish, and this week we continue my series, Soul Ladder Music, conversations with musicians about the spiritual connections within their songs and the music that inspires them. Jocelyn McKenzie and I became friends in high school when I was immediately enamored with this quirky girl who just seemed to move through the world on her own wavelength. We reconnected in our mid-twenties when by then she had started the excellent category-defying band Pearl and the Beard. Again, I was knocked off my feet by the confidence and originality of Jocelyn and her collaborators' musicianship. These days, Jocelyn McKenzie performs as a solo act and has a new album that captures her unique artistic voice and the experiences she explores in her other role as a psychic medium. Our conversation was a treasure of everything that impresses me about Jocelyn and her music. At once playful and insightful, full of wisdom, while never taking herself too seriously. Enjoy my conversation with Jocelyn McKenzie. As I turned to leave, you looked me right in the eye and said, hey, let's keep talking about art and life. We walked to the train, I took your hand and I said Let's listen to the sounds of the city again And I don't understand the pain of being awake, awake, awake But I know that somehow we will all be together as a beam of light I have to say, first off, that I want to credit you and thank you for really being, I think, one of my early musical influences. Oh, that's nice to because hear. Because you made me that They Might Be Giants mixtape when we were like 15. Yeah, that's true. And I really think that that helped set me off into really liking weird music. Oh, Jack, <laughs> I don't think I've heard a better thing all month. That is the best thing I've heard this month. Maybe maybe this year. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that. That's wonderful. Well, well you know, it's funny. It's one of those things where I've, I've been reflecting on it. I didn't have older siblings mm-hmm. um, who hooked me into awesome music, you know, to listen to as an adolescent. And so I, I really think that you sharing that mixtape was probably one of the first times that somebody said, hey, you know, here's a band that you don't know, but you definitely should be liking Aww, and listening to. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. And I feel like I made like little artwork for it, too, and like probably drew stuff on it. And oh, I, you did the whole nine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we can't do that anymore with like physical objects. It's like really sad because even then, you know, it went from because I, I know 100 percent it was a cassette. And then yes, it was definitely it was a for sure a cassette. And then you know we the world transitioned into CDs, which was still fun, but like maybe not kind of as cool. Because with cassettes, you could really, or at least I really like to play with the space between the songs. You know, because you could record mm. anything. You could record yes. from the radio, like a stupid commercial, or you could record yep. your own voice, like whatever you wanted. And making physical mixtapes when I was young was like such a creative act like it was so fun and and i'm so glad to know that it was not in vain for you You, here we are you you recorded 
um, a bunch of little snippets from the Spider-Man cartoon show that was on the air at the time. See? And I don't remember why. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but yeah, that was, a, that was an appreciated, you know, it was like a, like a hidden track at the mm-hmm. end. You get mm-hmm. to the end and you get these <laughs> fun songs. I mean, why not? That's the question. Because, you know, because I, I feel like a lot, and this is maybe a tangent, but maybe not. I just... I feel like, you know, because the, talking about this idea of the physical object of a tape, right? And I mm-hmm. remember, too, I used to pull the physical tape out of the cassette and Ooh. draw on it or, like, kind of alter it in some way. I would not have done that with a TMBG one because it's too sacred to me. <laughs> but there was, like, for sure a wave of, like, art mixtapes that I would make where I was manipulating the sound by physically altering the tape mm. itself, um, which was not mm-hmm. hard to do. You know, you could put, like vinegar on it or you could scratch it up or draw on it or whatever um but to think of music as this kind of ephemeral thing that is actually vibrational so even though we think of it as being like oh if it's streaming we can't touch it the vibrations Mm. of when we hear the sound is touching us right so this idea that even if i'm in my room by myself making terrible music to make sure that i'm contributing to the bad music that's happening in the world (laughs) even if no one physically hears it it's still touching Uh it's still going it's still permeating it still exists it's still physical you know so that's what i like to tell myself anyway (laughs) i'm like no one will ever hear this but wait the vibrations are actually eternally vibrating into the cosmos are, are being impacted sure and you know the cosmos are the cellular structure of this room is being impacted by this, even if I'm not a human ear is, you know? So I go deep with it real fast. Where does some of that curiosity and that exploration come from? I mean, what was there, was there a lot of different types of music that was played in your house or was this something that you found on your own? Yeah, that's a really good question. My, so my parents are both super, super music fans. Like they, and my dad is an mm. experimental musician. Um, and growing up. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he, you know, technically plays guitar, but the way that he describes it is that he's a sound sculptor. So he has, you know, wow. a gajillion pedals, but he, you know, you know, he would play the guitar using a balloon as a pick or a toothbrush or you know, it was constantly like one of my earliest gifts as a kid was a synthesizer. Like I got a synthesizer when I was like four or five Mm. Um, and I got a cassette, like a My First Sony cassette. And he showed me how to like make Uh tapes when I was like three years old, you know, so experimental sounds for sure comes from my dad um, and that curiosity that like, because it was also very cooked into our day to day like music was not a special occasion music was every day Mm -hmm. it was the salt on the Mm -hmm. table you know so we always had dinner music playing while we were eating you know after dinner i would go play with my dad and you know he would say okay pick up this instrument or you know we would make instruments out of stuff and it was you know just kind of taken for granted and so i kind of started singing as soon as i could speak like I can't really separate a Mm. time when I was not singing and making up songs and you know he was really influential in that of like if you were gonna say it you might as well sing it so like please pass the mashed potatoes (laughs) and we would just go and go and go and you know it was a game but also just kind of something I got to take for granted um but -hmm. then when it came to listening to music both of my parents were super into just discovering new stuff and going to shows and you know always having the new thing so like i was listening to the might be giants when i was literally born i mean their first record came out the year before i was born and so 
I mean, my seventh birthday party, I remember I wanted to have a new kids on the block theme birthday party. And um, during the party, I was like, stop playing new kids, like start playing birdhouse in your soul. Like I needed (laughs) to hear that. So yeah, it was just really cooked in. My dad was more in like the Frank Zappa kind of Captain Beefheart, you know, they might be uh-huh. giants, but they both loved Kate Bush. They both loved Laura Nero, you know, those kind of folks. But mm-hmm. it had to be a little bit weird for them. Like they, and it was funny growing up like later, it was only later when people would be like, oh, have you heard any Steely Dan, for example? And like, I knew the name, but I was like, no, I'm like, didn't your parents listen to like Crosby, Stills, and National. I was like, no, they 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 were so anti. <laughs> Anything popular was like kind of off the plate. Like they, there uh-huh. was only a couple of artists that I feel like they could co-sign who were also kind of ingrained in, in pop culture, but like they had to kind of go with the out people. So we used to listen to, to tapes of like, just like sounds. I mean, whale sounds. We would listen to whale sounds. I mean, that was music, you know? I mean, and it is music, you know? So everything was music. Nothing was off the table. Wow. That's so cool to have parents that have that synergy, you know, to have that. In that way, they sure do, yes. Yeah. You gotta have something to keep it going, you know? You know, you gotta gotta have something. They were very supportive of each other's music, except, you know, it's funny because my dad really loved to to make sure that everyone in the house sometimes would be very irritated by the music that he would pick um and it took a lot but my mother would finally at some point be like richie you gotta change the record (laughs) richie change the record i can't handle this anymore it would be like the sound of like two saxophones screeching into a cave or something and she'd be like all right that's enough (laughs) you know it's a lot of prog a lot of primus we listened to primus when i was like nine years old i mean just all that kind of stuff. It was wacky. See, this is why you were the coolest kid <laughs> to hang out with. Lucky me. Lucky me. And I'm I'm curious, so with all with all that um music and experimentation and stuff, did you did you also have any sort of uh uh formal spiritual formation was there any sort of religious upbringing as well in the household that's so funny that's an amazing question and i i feel like they are oddly very similar uh in can be in in you know in so many ways and and particularly the way that i was raised so my mother is a very devout catholic 
So okay. I was I raised. I had that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was raised. I was raised with a Catholic faith, and you know, went through all the sacraments and that whole thing. But my dad is uh, first. He's a minister of the Universal Life Church, uh, as kind of, of course a, he is. Oh, of course he is, right? <laughs> as a way to kind of you know do his little. Uh, fungal to the man or whatever he needs to do um but uh, he's in the he's in the church house band you know he oh god he 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 was very much of a mind and i'll say this i i know that he would say this out loud that he felt that anyone who was participating in or following an organized religion of any kind was a moron and not to be trusted and had a holier than thou attitude. So it was very much his mission, again, to really expose me and my sister to alternate spiritual philosophies. And my mother is a very open-minded person. Like she was not in any way ever being like Catholicism is the only thing. And it was really kind of difficult actually to grow up with it's like, okay, dad, well, you're saying that people who follow organized religion are idiots and you're married to one. So, you know, it was, it was hard. It was, it was painful. But on, on the other hand, um, I feel like I did get a very diverse exposure to different kinds of, uh, you know, practices and philosophies. And he was always, he was very much a seeker. So he was really always like reading the Quran or reading, you know, Joseph Campbell or the Bible or whatever. But he was trying to find his own way in it. And I think that that ultimately left him more frustrated than not. Um, But for me, I went through a very devout phase when I was about 15 where I was just like, yeah, I'm so Catholic now. Look at me go, you know, which is, you know, great for some folks. And then I had an incident in um, my youth group that I was a part of where they ostracized me. And I felt just beside myself. I was so hurt. And, you know, being, you know, an adolescent and, and wanting to be a part of something you know, of course, any kind of rejection at, at any stage of life feels challenging. But at that age, I felt so connected to my religion. And then to be so alienated by my community, I was like, there's no way that God would let this happen. You know, like that was like the mm. ultimate injustice to my poor 15 year old heart. And so I really went on kind of a tear of just exploring everything. Like I went to it. To temple services like I started you know I had a Mormon friend who I like chatted with her folks about stuff and I just kind of went on my own journey with it um, but it was also around that age that I had my first experiences as a medium which I didn't know that that's what was happening at the time I wouldn't have been able to say it like that um, but when I found my kind of uh, spiritualist, you know, spiritualism is a specific, you know, group of folks that practice in a specific way but um, I'll say my 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 spirit friends when i met my spirit friends i felt a lot more settled in in where i found my place and so i don't know though but there was there was a lot going on <laughs> there was a lot going on yeah it sounds like it well i i i want to i want to come back to the medium part cuz i think that that's um i mean it's something that i'm so interested to explore with you before we before we get into that i really want to um talk about about your music though at the same mm-hmm. time um you talked about there being this connection between the two things music and, and spirituality what, yeah. what is that connection for you yeah oh boy well <laughs> i think that to me music is our universal language in a lot of ways and our and a universal birthright right so singing mm. and again that act of vibration so we talk about a lot of spiritual terms are music terms, 
right? Um, Harmony, resonance, feeling like, for example, when I feel in sync with myself and I'm, I'm kind of in a place of alignment, um, Mm -hmm. I'm in rhythm, you know, I'm in the pocket. There's, there's just a lot of different ones. And, uh, I just feel like the idea that music is vibrational, like we were talking about, to me, that's spiritual. So it, which is to say non-material, right? So I can have a lot of material experiences, like go to a place, you know, be a part of a community, you know, do a certain ritual and all that stuff is very powerful for me in, in new ways now. Um, but music is a spiritual practice that I can take with me wherever I go, right? Because wherever mm-hmm. I go, I can put on my headphones or I can just sing to myself or hum to myself or listen to the sound of the birds, uh, listen to the sound of traffic going by and and be, be transported and be any mood that I'm in. If I need to be in a different mood, like this morning, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I was like, I need to realign myself. Like I'm not mm. in my own self right now. And so mm-hmm. I put on some Lizzo and I was like, yes, okay, it's about to end time. You know, like I need her to like, she helps me. So this idea that it's something that is simultaneously coming from outside of me. So I'm asking for help from an unseen source. To me, that's a very spiritual act. And then I'm allowing this experience to wash over me through my auditory perception, but it is physically changing me. It's physically mm. changing me. Music is physical. Um, and to me, that's a spiritual experience where I'm having a transformation that I could not have otherwise had on my own. You know, I cannot mm-hmm. will myself into a better mood. In fact, that will just, you know, make the hamster spin faster on his wheel, right? Mm. Um, but I can be like, okay, Lizzo, can you please? It's a prayer. Music is a prayer. You know, Lizzo, yeah. will you please take me there? Girl, show me that I am 100% that bitch. <laughs> and she does it every time, you know? Um, and I think spiritual, you know, if you want to call it God or source or, you know, divine yeah. energy, whatever, you know, that's that's how I pray also. I'll be like, okay, uh, I, I say God just because for me it's a little, you know, little it's a bullion cube. It kind of encompasses all of it. But if you want to be like, <laughs> okay, you, okay it's, universe. It's short. It's short and Punchy. sweet. It does a trick. Everybody kind of knows what you mean, or they're mad about it. But either way, you know, you've they've they've had an experience. But I'm like, okay, God, this is not working for me. Show me what I got to do. Show me what I got to do. You know, and something inevitably comes. So I have the yeah. same experience in music and in prayer. Listen up, the whole world in the flux of a fever, sent to search and destroy by the. Everyone's either breaking up or breaking down. Who'd have known we would both end up smoldering, lonely? Now I've only one thought when you phone me. Will you heal me from bottom up? Sim 
and thanks to the space-time continuum that it's always So I got to say that better is such a terrific survival anthem for the pandemic. Thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, what, what was it like for you uh, making an album during the pandemic? Oh, boy. Well, what a great question. Well, first of all, I'll tell you, better came. So the chorus of better was with me for many, many, many years. I don't even remember when that came into my brain. But I had been waiting for some verses to kind of match it. I often write songs in, uh, I like to call it like a song kebab, where like I'll write a section, like a chorus or a verse, and then it just kind of like stays in in the cabinet for a long time, right? And then I'll finally uh -huh. be like, okay, it's time to make the shish kebab. And I'll like come and put the pieces together, <laughs> right? And they're like, ooh, this is like chicken, onion, chicken, onion, pineapple, chicken, onion. Okay, we're good, right? So that's kind of how I write sometimes. But so I had the the chicken of the the chorus for a long time, but then the verses were actually written in 2015, wow. long, long, long ago. And the wow. verse line struck me, and that's part of also why I chose this one because um, listen up, the whole world's in the flux of a fever. That lyric yes. came to me in full, and I was like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means had no idea but it, it was for Terrible. sure how the song went so i was like okay i guess that's just the lyrics and then i let the rest of it kind of come out and it was for sure you know in response to uh an early relationship that i was having with someone who i'm still yeah. very very dear friends with um but you know it was just this idea that the both of us were in this really like dark we both just been <laughs> gotten out of really intensely difficult relationships and um you know, or, or at least the endings of them were, were difficult. And we were mm. really like a bomb for each other, you know, and, and got to come together and help each other, right? It wasn't just leeching in a, you know, in a way. It was just we needed each other and, and we were really there. Um, but so, you know, it stayed this kind of, you know, ukulele song for a really long time. I would play it at shows, you know, for five years or so before it ended up on the record. And so when I was making Push, I had been working on Push for a super long time before it actually got released on Righteous Babe. Mm. And um, part of that was because I knew, and again, this was kind of this download moment. Like I had been writing all of these songs at a huge batch of demos and I knew I wanted to make a record. But then suddenly this idea came to me, okay, you're going to make a record for string quartet. And I was like, what? Like this, and once this, it's kind of like you can't unring a bell. You ever hear that phrase? You can't unring a bell. And I was like, oh I God, it. I have to do this now. Damn mm. it. Like I was mad because I was, I knew that, oh, oh yeah, that's going to take a lot of work. And I don't know how to write for string quartet. Write... No way. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. That is not my thing. So I knew I you needed. You don't read music. I do not. Right? No. No. Under no circumstance could I do this. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to need to ask for a lot of help. So I say mm. that to say that I, I collected this, this pile of demos. I sent them out to a batch of composers. I had about 19 demos and I reached out to about 10 or 12 composers. And I said, okay, I'm making this record for string quartet. I want you all to pick. First of all, are you interested? Second of all, if you are, I want you to pick the songs that you feel like you're most wanting to work on because you feel drawn to them. Because I wanted the composers to feel like, first of all, they weren't just doing me a favor. But second of all, that like, 
they had an opportunity to share their voice and that they felt invested yep. in the songs, right? So of those, five composers picked 12 songs. And um, my good friend Sam McCormley, who lives in D.C., actually, you may know him, he was... Um, oh. He used to be in a band called Fellow Creatures and Ugly Purple Sweater. My band Pearl and the Beard used to tour with them a lot. And he became the right-hand man on, on Push. He really is mm. the reason why it got made the way it did. And so he wrote the string quartet arrangement for better. And so, again, the song existed long before. Then Sam chose it. And I said, I, I kept saying, Push is going to make itself. The, the sequence is going to write itself. The songs are going to choose themselves. The mm. composers are going to choose themselves. You know, like... This record is is conscious. It has a consciousness. And I'm just going to be here to facilitate it coming into the world, right? So mm. when Sam wanted to work on better, I just loved, and he did the beats too. I just loved his, his string arrangement. It just came out amazing. And then, you know, over the years, I had kept in touch with Ani DeFranco, who, of course, you know, got us connected with Righteous Babe. And, you know, we were able right. to put the record out on the label. And it was such a wonderful gift. And we found out, I finished tracking the vocals for Push before Righteous Babe was even on board. I finished tracking them in February of 2020. Okay. And wow. Yep. And then, wow. so we went into the mixing phase right as quarantine started. And so my mixing engineer, Nadim Issa, lives in LA. So we were doing all of the mixing remotely. But what a time to have a project that my only job was to like stay at home and sit and listen to these tracks over and over again, right? Wow. And and then finally, you know, once it was finished, then we had we were able to pitch it to Righteous Babe and they were generously excited to put it out in in the early part of 2020, 2021. So um Amazing. isn't that wild? So the it's, whole thing. It's it's a, it's incredible to me because I thought for sure I mean, you know, I, I understand that as you're saying songs come at different times and you have sort of a roster of songs that are sort of in, in your in your cupboard and and you mm -hmm. and you put together the ones as 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 they as they fit if you're you know then focused on a record project but i i mean better just sounded to me so of this moment yep. i thought for sure <laughs> <laughs> i thought for sure it was about some sort of pandemic relationship and i was like nope I mean, I don't know where that's coming from, but that's that's wild. That's wild. Isn't that that's wild? Awesome. And that's so why cool. I picked it because so cool. it was this moment yeah. of like precognition that I didn't know. I didn't know what that line was about, but I kept it in there. And that's also this idea of spirituality and music and, and just spirituality. It's like to trust your own intuition, right? Because in a million years sitting there writing, I could have heard this lyric that I didn't understand at all and gone, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to change it and make it about something relevant, right? But I was just like, mm -hmm. let it be irrelevant. Who cares? Just let it be irrelevant. Right. It sounds great. Right. I love this line. And Flux of a fever. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I did not think of that. That just came <laughs> in, right? So I'm like, okay, whoever wrote that was really smart. So I'm just gonna let it happen. Yeah. And just to let but it happen. But the story, I mean, the story that you paint, I, it just it just seems like it ref, it must reflect so many people's experiences of- I hope so, I hope so. I Yeah, like, I mean, in the best cases, right? Sure. Finding somebody for whom you can come together for this moment and find some solace during a really difficult time mm -hmm. and really just be there you know be be like you're saying a balm for for each other during yeah, that time totally um because i imagine so many people you know needed that and, well i i really appreciate you saying that and i i hope so but because at the time actually right before quarantine as well i did end up meeting somebody who is now my husband who you know we 
and speak of, you know, following the voices that you're hearing, I kept hearing in November of 2019, I kept hearing, go get your ukulele strings changed. Go get your ukulele strings changed. <laughs> this little voice in my head. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I had this ukulele for 10 years, never once changed the strings. Shame on me. But still, I, I truly had not. <laughs> and I didn't know how to do it myself. I was like, I don't want to go to Guitar Center. I don't want to go here. I was being so belligerent about it. But then the voice would not go away. And so finally, I ended up finding you know whatever whatever found this person and i reached out and was like hey would you do this and he was like uh sure i guess i don't know and i showed up and i was like oh i'm gonna marry you <laughs> like i just immediately knew i was like oh i have to be super wow. cool right now and then in that moment so he's changing my strings and he goes oh so uh you want to go to dinner i'm like yes i do <laughs> and like that was it and it turned out that we lived three blocks away from each other Right. So like thing after thing after Amazing. thing, it, it's just that, that intuition being a two part process. Right. Of like I hear the information, but then I get to just try it. Right. To take the action. If I don't take the action, mm. then I'm just like, you know, I get the I get the info. But what happens? What changes when I'm brave enough to, to listen to those voices and allow, and allow it to happen? You know, and, mm. and better definitely became that. It really did. And so I'm glad that it resonated with you. That means a lot to me. I still dream of Organon. I wake up crying. You're making rain. And you're just in Kate Bush seems to be a strong influence oh, yeah. on your work. Oh yeah. Um, what what resonates with you about about how she communicates through music? Oh man. Well, Kate Bush is obviously channeling something unknown to me. That's obvious. I don't know I that she would say, say that. Uh, I, you know, I grew up listening to her, and particularly "Hounds of Love." is the record that this song is on and this song just everything about it is my favorite just speaks to me the chords the mm. beat the melody the lyrics the, the picture that i see in my mind you know it's a very kind of grounding experience like this song really feels like home to me in a lot of ways but i love mm. that it's come to mean different things to me over the years because at first it was very much like this idea that I was free to really, really like, well, if she can do that, if she's allowed to make yeah. that song, I can do whatever I want, you know, like, cause it is, it is a weird song if you think about it. And especially if you've like seen the music video, you know, it's, it's, 
she has a really specific way of storytelling that I think she summons sometimes mm. through character, um, which is not something that I feel as connected to, but I really admire her ability to do that. And I think that the characters that she embodies really allow her to express different sides of herself. And in this one, over the years, it's really come to have this meaning for me of a departure from what is known. You know, so whenever I need a boost that like going on my own path or making my own choices, even if they're counter to what other people want for me or from me, that that's okay. Um, it's been kind of a flag for that of this is this is my ballad for when I need to really stand mm. firm in my truth and say, nope, I know what's right for me. And, and this is how I'm going to get through it and stand by myself um, because it's so triumphant. Everything about that song is triumphant to me. And it's mm. simultaneously intimate and very expansive and expressive, yeah. but also reflective. You know, like it has this beautiful yin and yang to it that I think is so such a divine balance to strike. Um, so it just brings me back to myself. Okay, so um, since we've never talked about this aspect of your life, mm -hmm. I, I don't really know where to start. And so can you can you help me understand yeah. what being a medium means to you? Totally. Thank you for asking. So psychic and medium are actually two different things. So all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. So psychic refers to an extension of our physical senses. So for example, we hear about clairvoyance is probably the most commonly known one where you'll say like, oh, I had a vision, so I saw a vision. But that's voyance mm -hmm. is connected to seeing. But there's also, right. for every sense that we have, for me, clairaudience is probably the strongest one as a musician, mm. right? So I heard something, I heard a voice or I heard a song. But there's also okay. clairtangency, which is like physical touch, clairsentience, which is I had an emotional feeling, claircognizance, which is I just kind of had an understanding, right? And mm. as a human species, it is my belief, but also my experience that everyone has access to psychic experience and understanding. It's just how loudly do we want to turn up the volume knob on that experience in our day-to-day -day life, right? So for example, a lot of people have had the experience where you walk into a room, say for example, and you see somebody in the room and you're going, oh, that person is having a weird day. Like they have a weird energy. I'm just like staying away from them. That's a psychic experience right. because you have no verbal cue that that's happening. There may or may not be a physical cue, but you just understand that that energy is not where I want to be. That's a psychic experience, right? We just don't talk about it that way. Or sometimes if like you're thinking of someone and then they call you, you're like, oh, what a coincidence, right? And coincidence, synchronicity, psychic, like it's all very connected. But I think, again, it just really depends on are you interested in exploring that sense, right? So even with our physical senses, right? Like you can imagine that a, a chef or a cook, they're gonna be very interested in what does something smell and taste like? What is the feeling mm. of this in on the mouth, right? Like they're gonna be developing their physical senses of smell and taste in a different way, say than someone like me, who I'm much more fascinated with sound and that kind of thing, right? So it's just like, where does my interest lie? So as Got we it. can develop, all of us have access to psychic senses. So do you wanna develop it? So as I was developing this idea and not on purpose, I just realized, oh yeah, okay. This whole time when I've been writing, I've been having Claire audience experiences that I'm hearing this thing, like I was talking about earlier, I just heard this full lyric or this heard whole song. I don't know where it came from. It just happened. Um, and so 
as my psychic senses started to develop kind of on their own, um, and again, I would have an experience of like hearing a voice in my head being like, slow down, you know, or go get your strings changed or something. And then I would go and do the thing mm. and, and stuff started to happen, right? Um, mediumship then, what that does, so psychic works within the physical world. So, you know, your physical energy is interacting with my physical energy, right? But then mediumship, we're opening up a channel between unseen worlds, and the physical world. So I can talk to departed loved ones. I can talk to someone's spirit guide. And I'm doing that by using my psychic senses to kind of get in a meditative state. And then I open the channel with an intention of protection for everyone who's there. And mm. then we open the channel and I hear or I'll experience say, oh, I, ha I understand that there's a, for example, you know, a, a female person standing next to me and she has the energy of she's very jubilant so and so and she says she knows you from college and i see a picture of a bunny and i hear the sound of a waterfall and someone can go that makes no sense to me what are you talking about or they can go oh that's my great aunt louise and she had a pet rabbit and you know she lived in niagara right so that and okay. and i have had those experiences that were that specific and that it's articulate that specific. yes for mm -hmm. me that has been the case for sure and it's for sure been something that i practice a lot and i love practicing and i love uh giving readings to people because it's just so invigorating to feel their connections because the best the best thing for me about being a medium is that i have a sense of clear empathy right so the feeling that someone had for the person so let's say, for example, someone, I actually had this experience where I was speaking, I had two separate readings with a mother and a, and her daughter on different days. Okay. And I first met okay. the daughter and I was connecting with her father who had passed away. And I could feel oh. the love that this father had for his daughter. I could feel it. And I was tearing up because he loved her so much. And I got to tell her, you know, what he was communicating to her and then later, I ended up connecting with her mother, but I, she had a different last name. So when her name came up on my calendar, I didn't put it together that they had a connection at all. And oh, I, wow. I felt this energy and I was like, this person feels familiar to me, but like, do I know them from somewhere? Like, do I? What's happening? Right. And then, you know, I just gave the reading and I offered the information, but I could feel the love that he had for his wife and it is a very different kind of love. So now I have had this experience of, I don't have a daughter. I'll never be someone's father. I don't know what that kind of love feels like, but I get mm. to experience it through these connections that folks have with each other. And it's wow. so, wow. it's changed the way that I love. And it's changed my capacity for compassion, 100%. It's changed my ability to be patient, you know, my, yeah. my connection to myself and my connection to the people that I love. And, and trusting my own, the universe. I mean, it's, it's, it's life-changing for me, truly. Talk a little bit more about that. Does, does, is it something you, you mentioned dialing up or down? Mm -hmm. Is it something that you kind of have to prepare yourself and get into a zone and be in? Or do you feel like walking through the world 
you're just awash in other yeah. people's emotions around you. Totally. Well, the number one word for that is boundaries. Um, I was never someone that had <laughs> great boundaries with living people, to be honest. Um, so I had to really <laughs> learn. Because when I had the awakening, and I call it that because it really felt like it happened like a light switch, like it was on a single day that I just, mm. I went to a class because I had been having all these experiences that I couldn't explain. And so I just finally went to the Oracle and I Googled New York Medium meetup and it turned out there was one the next day two blocks away from my work 15 minutes after yes. i got off my shift and i was supposed to have plans that night that had gotten canceled so i was like okay universe very subtle very of subtle course. i hear you so i go and i'm sitting <laughs> in a room of mediums and i'm like hi i'm new they're like no you're not and i said to the teacher like i've never done this before she's like <laughs> not in this lifetime honey like she literally laughed in my face like you know what i mean so it was amazing <laughs> so like okay i think i found my people but she I gave two readings that night to two strangers who both validated everything that came up. So that's the two words is trust, mm. trusting my own experience, but boundaries, right? So at the time, once the switch went on, it took me my first month of having that experience. I was really worried for my health if i'm being really honest i was very okay. overstimulated and i couldn't okay. really walk down the street without hearing everybody's departed someone being like because you know when you turn huh. a, it's like when you turn you get in your car and you forgot that you like put the radio on full blast and you're like ah! you know like it turns, you're just like but imagine right. that for a month um it was pretty yeah. intense so i was really <laughs> grateful that i had like a really good job at the time that i could just like show up go to work and just come home and just be in the fetal position and just fall asleep because that's about all i could handle um wow. but then very quickly i told a friend about it and she was like it was so funny jack she i called my friend and she was like, oh, that happened to my friend Jackie. You should call Jackie. I'm like, who this is Jackie? So she just put me in touch with this woman, Jackie Pierce, who ended up being my teacher. And she's like, oh, yeah, same thing happened to me. I just woke up one day and could talk to people's, you know, departed loved ones. And I was like, okay. So she ended up becoming my teacher. And, you know, we worked together for a long time. I've also taken classes with other folks. Um, but having a community of people who also had these experiences was super important because I knew that I wasn't alone. I wasn't making mm. it up and I, mm. I learned how to discern what was coming from me and my fears and my worries and what was actual information from from other sources and so now thankfully I've gotten to a much better equilibrium place with it where before a reading I absolutely have my rituals where I cleanse my space and I cleanse myself and I open the channel oh, okay. and and you know we say that but then when it's when it's over it's done and and I go Netflix and chill and do my thing. And I have a, <laughs> I have good boundaries with spirit, right? And spirit has good boundaries with me, right? Because they they want me to, they have my best interests in mind, right? So um, if I say, no, thanks. It's like, who wants to be at a party that you're not invited to, right? Right. At first right. for me, it was just a matter of knowing that it was safe to uninvite people to my party, right? Like even if you're, even be, just because you're having access to this experience does not mean that you're obligated to have it on 24 hours a day, right? Because I wouldn't be able to function if I, if I had that, right? So getting yeah, to have yeah. faith in myself and be like, no, 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 it's okay. They can wait. And if they can't wait, I actually have a very specific symbol that they give me that if it's an emergency and somebody really super needs to talk, that I experience this one thing and and then I know, okay, ding, 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 time to tune in. And for me, it's the scent of lemon. If I smell lemon, because uh, scent is one of the things that I experience psychically. 
Right. And the way that right. I know that it's a psychic sense and not a physical sense is that it comes the same way when you flip a light switch on, it just goes on and then it goes off. But with smells, like huh. physical smells, they kind of stay in the okay. air and they kind of yes. have that arc, like they rise. I'm like, oh, do you smell that? And then it like goes away. With with my spiritual smelling, it's just in my nose and then it's gone and then it's on and off and on and off, right? So um, I I will smell lemon because I have a, an, a, an aversion to citrus. I can't really have lemon because of my singing. So um, oh, okay. that's that's me. Other people can sing and have lemon, but that's sure, just me. Sure, sure. Um, but so I don't have lemons around me ever. I don't have lemons in my house. I don't order lemonade, you know, so I know that if it's, if I'm smelling lemon, that it's from somewhere else. But then, but that's only that's, happened like two or so three amazing. times. Isn't that wacky? Uh-huh. It's super wacky. So, and, and that's something that you just understood or, or said, okay, spirits, here's mm-hmm. the deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's our secret password. I, I asked them because I said, you know, hey, I'm going to need a doorbell. That's what I call my doorbell. So my gate, my okay. boundary is like when I'm in a reading, the door is wide open, right? And then when the reading is over, I close the door. Typically on, a, on any given day, I would say that my door is open like a crack, so to have like some access that like the breeze can come mm. through and I can like have a lovely connection but not feel like a tornado is blowing through my house, right? Um, yes. Some days though, when I need to really ground and get back into my physical body, I close the door and I lock it. And I'm like, okay, not available right now. Can't do it. You know, so for example, if I'm like at a job or, you know, whatever. But my intuition is always plugged in. Um, and then at any time, they can ring the doorbell. So that sign is the doorbell. Hey, yeah. we need you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I ain't happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on. I ain't happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. In a bag, I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on. Finally, someone let me out of my cage. Now, time for me is nothing, cause I'm counting no A's. Nah, I couldn't be there. Nah, you shouldn't be scared. I'm good at repairs, and I'm under each snare. Intangible, bet you didn't think so. I command you to panoramic view. Look, I'll make it all manageable. Pick and choose, sit and lose, all you different crews. Chicks and dudes, who you think is really kicking tunes. Picture you getting down in a picture tube. Like you lift the fuse. You think it's fictional, mystical, maybe. Spiritual hero who appears in you to clear your view when you're too crazy. Lifeless to those with definition for what life is. Priceless to you because I put you on the hype shit. You like it? Gun smoke, you're righteous with one toke. You're psychic among no possess you with one go. So one of the songs that you picked that was a, a pretty big surprise. I wouldn't have thought of it as as one for for deep spiritual inspiration <laughs> um, was Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. By Gorillaz. I love that song. So this song w- was very popular when we were younger. I don't 18. know if we were in high school oh, when yeah. it came out, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe it was my first year of college. So you were a year older than me. You what? still are. You still are. You're older than me. I, I still am. I haven't <laughs> outpaced you that far, that much. <laughs> Not <laughs> you yet. You haven't caught up to me yet. Um, you know, I, I went back and I listened to it. I, I guess I, I've got a couple of different questions on mm-hmm. there, but I wanted to hear from you what, 
what that what that song <laughs> did for you that yeah. you put it on this short list. Totally. Well, so that actually came from a very, very specific experience that I had. So, you know, this oh. song, I, I feel like will always is, is one that I would say, like, raises my vibration, right? So if I'm like kind of mm. feeling a little down and, you know, I need a, a little pick me up, I'll put on this song. And it, it's just kind of groovy. It's fun. It's, you know, it's it's yeah. really light and it's nostalgic for me, too, because I loved it, you know, in the yes. early aughts. And that was wonderful. But so when I was first having my kind of intense kind of second spiritual awakening as a medium in 2019, um, I was having a lot of really, <laughs> really uh, inexplicable experiences that suddenly I had these perceptions of the world and the non-world that I couldn't fully understand. And so I was doing a lot of meditating and asking for clarity. And one of the ways that I would receive clarity would be through songs and music and that still happens for me a lot so i can for example say like ask a question and then a song will pop into my head now how do i know that it's not me doing that and generating that for me i trust the feeling i i feel that it's different but just as a thought experiment let's say even if it is me generating it which i don't believe that it is but even if it is me it's a it's a pretty amazing process to be like okay i have a question i'm gonna ask it and then this outside thing is presented to me as a solution, right? So yeah. I had been introduced to the concept of spirit guides. Are you familiar with that? Tell me how you understand it. Okay, so how I understand it, and everyone of course is free to believe whatever they believe or not believe. Um, but so one way to think about it is that every person is assigned a spirit guide before birth that stays with us from our physical incarnation on this planet to our death and that we also have and they're there as a teacher and you know a guide and so we have moments sometimes where you might say you feel like there's a guardian angel or someone watching over you or it's very cooked into mm -hmm. the vernacular but like yeah as a practice as a medium it's something that we you know work with our spirit guides very consciously and different spirit guides will come forward for different reasons at different times, right? So you might have one that stays with you for your whole life as kind of your main buddy, right? <laughs> to help you okay. um, overcome challenges in, in your life and, and learn and, and grow and have fun and things like that. Um, but you may have other spirit guides that come in temporarily or for different reasons. So one that maybe comes as a, as a muse for your writing or one that comes forward if you're having family trouble and, you know, it could be an ancestor, it could be a right. interdimensional being, this and that, right? So, you know, this and that, interdimensional being, no big deal. Um, but so I had become aware of an energy that I felt very connected to who I believed might've been my spirit guide and not really knowing anything about it, I, ha I did, you can look up on YouTube even, like, find my spirit guide, guided meditation, right? So huh, I, I did that. Okay. And honestly, this is an amazing time to be a witch or any kind of freaky person because <laughs> there's so much out there. It's all on YouTube. Uh, it's all on YouTube, man. I keep calling the Get internet. Your certification the now. It's true. I keep thinking about the internet as like an oracle. I'm like, I must consult the oracle, you know, and like I go and look oh, it up boy. online. But it's real. I mean, it's, I mean, there's everything that you want to uh -huh. know. I mean, of course, you know, screen your information, be careful what you're getting. But um, all that is to say is that I had a, a really intense experience of being like, okay, I, I feel like there's this energy that's trying to communicate with me. I need to understand what this is. And so I did a meditation where I was like, okay, spirit guide, if, if this is really what's going on, 
how do who are you how do i understand you like what is really happening here and i sat in meditation and this song popped into my head now i don't know all of the verse lyrics you know it's a very beautiful intense rap and i i can't i don't have the brain to to hold on to that lyrically i knew the chorus very well but i was like okay that's i'm feeling glad i got, i don't know what this is about right but later i looked up the lyrics and the whole thing so I actually went on a really deep like gorillas YouTube and you know Wikipedia deep dive. Um, so the band is created of all these different cartoon characters, right? And mm-hmm. the idea is that the character that is the drummer character is actually possessed by the and this is all fictional, you know, in the band's um, you know mythology. But that the drummer mm-hmm. is possessed by a, either I forget it's either like a former drummer or another drummer that you know kind of plays drums through him but and he talks about in the song oh how being a spirit guide so i was like what is this and i never knew that about this song i never knew any of the verse lyrics to it ever until i looked it up and read them and was like what is happening what is happening and also i was the drummer in my old band you know so Uh i was like what like of all of the things of all of the songs to hear, this was, to me, the lyrics were so specifically about what it means to be a spirit guide, right? Like, mm. not that you're becoming necessarily possessed, but that I would hear voices in my ear. I was hearing voices being like, okay, and and for a long time, I thought something was wrong with me. I was like, I need to get help. Like, I, I, I should see a doctor. Something's going wrong, right? But mm. I would hear these voices in my head for an entire month. I would hear a voice in my head saying like, okay, turn left instead of going straight and I would turn left and I would run into my friend or get Mm. on that subway car and not that subway car and I would get into that the one that I was hearing and I would run into a different friend that happened every single day for an entire month well so I knew something was up right like this was not just me my intuition was speaking to me loud and clear you were tuned into something I was tuned into something and I didn't know what it was and I was trying to figure it out and um and this song became a real point of clarity for that you know, and it was fun. It was a playful experience. It didn't feel overwhelming yeah. or scary. It felt, you know, nostalgic and like something that I could understand. And to just feel like I had access to this direct communication that felt so clear to me just felt like such a blessing, you know, because I feel like, again, you know, if I think about something for too long, I can run my head into the ground and I'll, I just exhaust myself. But when I just yeah. allow information to come, it comes in these really creative ways. And as long as I'm willing to be open-minded about how that answer is going to come, I love the surprises that I receive all the time, still, currently. It's it's pretty amazing. You know, because there's a big question of like, is it my intuition or am I just looking for something that's not there, right? Do I just want to know? And rule of three is a great way to kind of like have a little bit of a, you know, exciting, fun I don't want to say litmus test, but like if it's coming in threes, you could maybe be like, okay, this is maybe not just in my head, right? But also, what yeah. if it is in your head? Okay, it's great. It's all in your head. But that what a wonderful like <laughs> thing to say that like, okay, my head is amazing. Like this whole idea of like, yeah. oh, well, it's it's not real because you made it up. It's like, no, it is real because I made it up. 
It's actually super important. That's called imagination, people. We can't lose that. You know, we can't lose that. If it's happening in your head, I mean, to be fair, a lot of the things that come up in my head that are just me generating stuff is a lot of over worry, right? And remorse or yes. second guessing myself, right? And right. and so Using I have to be careful. Using imagination as a force for evil. Exactly. <laughs> not for that's good. not a spiritual experience, you know, or that's like the dark side working <laughs> for me, right? But it's like, okay, but let's say it helped me. Let's say it came in three. Let's say it came just once, but it changed my day. Great. That's enough. Who cares if yeah. you made it up or if it came from an angel or an interdimensional demon or from nothing? You know, like, who cares? It's great. Just enjoy the experience, you know? Crack me open a Tell me about your this other song, Little Islands. Yeah. I, I, I really love the sound that you created here. I mean, it sounds so cinematic. Mm. And and uh, one of my favorite Jocelyn singing moments is really when you're belting out those those notes. I love it in songs Thank when, you're, you so when you're doing that. 
And yeah, so tell me about what, what, what's that song about for you? Yeah, thanks, Jack. Um, well, that one, the string arrangement was done by Emily Hope Price from Pearl and the Beard. One of the things that also really helps me with writing is um, kind of a right brain activity. So I'll often write when I'm just walking or say like washing the dishes or taking a shower or doing something that I, is kind of, I get to be on autopilot with. So I was walking very late at night. It was okay. probably like 3.30 or something in the morning. And um, you know, just completely alone. And I'm sitting on this rock on the edge of the ocean and it just came. Like it just was like this download of, I heard it fully formed and I was like, okay, I gotta go get this out and figure out how to play it. And now I'm not an instrumentalist really. Um, you know, I play several things. I, I can learn the chords of several different instruments, you know, well enough to sometimes support myself. I, I just say that to say that I am not, uh, that's not my strength. So I found the nearest piano uh, and I just, mm. which I do not know how to play, just being very transparent about that. But I, I had this song and it just came to me and I, I found the nearest piano and I sat down and I just very clumsily kind of hunt and peck, found the notes and figured out the chords and um, was able to just get it down. And, and the way that I notated it, I drew little pictures of the uh keys that i was playing and i like circled them i was like this one this one like i can find middle c now hit this now key. hit this one yeah like i knew i yeah one. i know i know which one you know i can i can tell you which ones they are but not in a way that is you know at all graceful so that was my little notating device and it worked and and you know i played it for emily and um and that is all just to say too like speaking of like a spiritual experience having faith that your process is enough. Mm. Having faith mm. that your own process is enough. If I stopped every time I didn't know how to do something in music, you would never hear a single thing from me, ever. Because wow. I know so much less than I am willing to put out, honestly. So, you know, again, the song, I heard it, it was fully formed. Now it's my job to be of service to that song, to be its advocate, to be its shepherd, into you know, it's in me. So now it has to come out. If it was enough for me to just keep it in, that would also be fine. But for me, getting it out is a spiritual act too, because it's this act of faith of like, oh no, this came through me for some reason. And now I get an opportunity to learn. It's like, okay, I didn't know what this chord was before. Now I know about it, you know? And then to trust someone else and give them the material and go, Here are, here's the raw material. You know, there's a great quote by um, Harlan Howard, who's a country singer who says, the only thing you need to make country music is three chords and the truth, you know? And I <laughs> yeah. would argue that like the only thing that you need to make music is the truth, <laughs> you know? Like that's, that's just yeah. how I feel. So yeah. so the truth is I had the song that I could hear and, and I wanted to get it out into the world. And then Emily took it and made it more stunning than I ever could have imagined. And it was amazing. What a great, what a great life lesson to, to take from, from that, you know? I think it's, I mean, you you say it so casually and joyfully <laughs> that it it feels it feels really simple. But yeah. I I I mean, just think of how many people for whom for whom noodling around or trying something or not having a particular goal in mind, just experimenting. Mm -hmm is is 
hard you know it's hard for people to do that we've we've been we've been driven away from yeah. from that type of childlike experimentation um and and why why deny ourselves the opportunity to learn something from the experience or or yeah i mean giving into the fear of of well it's not going to be any good well so yeah. what yeah so what? so what it's not going to be there's any good. literally a song on my first ep that i put out in 2015 called meatballs and i'm just saying meatballs over and over again and it was so fun <laughs> and my engineer was like we're not putting this on the ep i was like we 100 percent are this is important this is spiritual meatballs <laughs> my meatball song love, is important you've heard the meatball song if you haven't it's time go hear it it's great it's got curse okay. words in it I'm if you don't go. like curse words don't listen to meatballs but otherwise <laughs> right because we play music that's one of the things when i when i offer songwriting yeah. workshops that's one of the first things i like to talk about is that we play music right so play and you're totally right like adults have we've been conditioned that play is for children or for people who can play professionally. So like actors are allowed to play, um, you know, in some ways musicians are allowed to play. But for me, I had this reflection recently with a friend, we were on the train and we were talking about how singing and music is, is an art form that there's such high expectations of it right off the bat, right? So if you, if you're in a subway car and you say, okay, everybody in the subway car after the after work today, they're all going to go and they're going to, you know, go to one of those like clay, paint your own pottery classes, right? You might believe that. Like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I, I can see like 20 people are going to go do that today. If you said every single one of these people is going to go home and just sing just for the fun of it, people would be like, no, no, they can't do that. You know, like there's like as if you need permission, you know, and... I get wanting to be accepted. I get wanting to be good at something. Of course I want to be accepted. Of course I want to be good at something. I'm not trying to say that I'm like above that in any way. But what I'm trying to say is that the aspect of play is what makes music accessible and freeing and available and an, a, a mm -hmm. universal connector. A, even with karaoke, something like karaoke, folks are like, well, I can't sing karaoke unless I sound good. I'm like, that's not the point of karaoke. The point of karaoke is to scream into the vast bananas, bizarre nothingness that is this universe. And hopefully, you know, you 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 turn some tables upside down. You know, we should do karaoke <laughs> together sometime. I, I, I will I would crawl. love it. I will crawl on the floor. It is intense. Um, <laughs> but, you know. I tried to do all the young dudes one time oh, in Madagascar and it didn't go over very well. But like that's what an amazing experience. Um, it wasn't experience. the right audience for it. But what an amazing experience! <laughs> it was a experience. good attempt. What it's an like, amazing how many Mop the Hoople fans do we have? Over yeah, the, they, it wasn't there. But it that's the there. idea of it, right, Jack? It's like, like where, yeah. what other method other than music can we completely break the rules? Who made the rule that like this isn't allowed or this isn't good or this is like? Every genre has a good and bad in it to me, you know, or not even good and bad. Who cares if it's good or bad? It doesn't make me feel something. Does it make me excited? Does it change my yes. vibration? You know, and like we play, we get to play. Go play. Yeah. Don't stop taking yourself so seriously. There's a caterpillar, there's a catapult standing on Like you're fancy 
So before we we had this conversation, you were mentioning that your 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 other fun side project. Oh yeah, <laughs> Pumpkin Mouth is um is about you know it's about play. It's it, it seems like it's emphasizing these things. So so um, share a bit more about how how these ideas of of just because it seems like all that you do is playful. <laughs> <laughs> why why is the work with and 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 uh the song with pumpkin mouth with uh um it, funeral drinking right yes the name of the song? that's that's my that's why my... is funeral drinking particularly oh, i mean i guess that's kind of playful it's if hilarious you're drinking at a funeral well okay so pumpkin mouth <laughs> uh oh man so okay so the thing so when i talk about like my music right so the so push is out on righteous babe you know i had the string quartet thing it was it, i'll tell you to be fully honest it was more emails about the record than it was actually time spent on the record, right? So there's this like level of administrivia that comes with doing a huge production like that that is it's such a labor of love, right? And it was uh -huh. worth every minute. It was worth every penny. Thank you to everyone who contributed and helped me make this record. <laughs> I could not have done it alone, 100%. And there's an element to making music that I find effortless, that... I get to express with my friend Guy when we make a pumpkin mouth record. And really anytime mm. I'm improvising, but particularly, so Guy, he's one of my oldest, most dear friends. And um, he's one of the most, he literally is the most prolific musician I've ever met. I mean, he, every February, there's the RPM challenge where they encourage you to write and record an album in the month of February. So giving yourself a creative limitation, the idea is that it'll kickstart your creativity because you have a deadline and you have a community of people that can help you do it, right? So right. Um, Guy has done this. He probably makes like a dozen records every February and then throughout the course of the year, he'll make a dozen more. Like Truly, it's unreal. Um, the year of the pandemic, wow. he wrote a song every single day. Um, I mean, he's just... It's unbelievable. It's so impressive to me. And um, and he just is so effortless with it, right? And I don't know if he would agree with that, but that's how I see it. And so when he said, oh, let's do an RPM record for years, I was like, no, 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 no. Because to me, making a record meant this kind of labor thing where it's like making a song can be fun and and you know kind of flighty but making a record now you gotta you know call the producer and when are we gonna schedule this and that it's a lot of work right so um mm. with guy i said okay well finally let's do this but i don't want to think about it i don't want to agonize over this here's here are my terms <laughs> you know here are my terms <laughs> uh you make some sounds so make some chords beats whatever you want and then you send them to me and i'm gonna just do vocal improvs over them so that's what I did. And then I sent him. So he made the, the tracks. He emailed them to me. I just went. And I did like word salad, like nothing, just vocalizing. Right. Sometimes a word or two would come out, but mostly it was nonsense language. And then I emailed them back to him and he typed out what he thought I was saying. So it was all just 
this act of trust and improvisation. And so whatever he thought I was saying, that's what the lyrics were. And we did not change them after that. So, and then I actually like took them back and then sang it, you know, how, what he thought the lyrics were. So with Funeral Drinking, I just loved the chord structure of that song just to start with already. I thought it was such a really powerful, beautiful chord base, uh-huh. right? But then the way that he interpreted what I was saying kind of came up in these like very like mirror ways, like the word catapult and caterpillar, right? So you can see like yes. if I was mumbling, yes, you yes, could yes, hear yes. either one of those, but then they both kind of ended up in the song. And then the idea that like, not that there's a chorus to it, cause it doesn't have any kind of real structure. It doesn't have a chorus, but it, th- that the kind of like climax for me was this idea of going to a funeral drinking. I was like, who hears that? Number one, my amazing friend. Number two, I was like, that is for sure something that I would do. That is 100% something that I would do. Like, I have probably done it in my life and forgotten about it. You know, so just this idea that our subconscious can come out in such intriguing ways. And again, when we just like give ourselves permission to not think about it. It's like my brain is not helping me here. I get to put my brain in a little glass jar and to trust that the music knows what it needs. The 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 lyrics and the, the melody and just my body, my voice knows what it wants to do. And then his ear knows what it wants to hear, you know? And then his mm. fingers are just gonna type. And if he made a typo, which was would happen, I just would leave it, you know? And like there was, I think there's a line in it uh, that was like clearly a typo, but I just left it. And I was like, okay, that's what's, that's what it is. That's what it is. But it's also this song, like the, 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 the meat of the song, it has this like real nostalgia and like real like swoony kind of sadness to it. And, mm. and some of the lyrics are very goofy, but some of them are just actually really gorgeous truths. You know, like I'm a wave of emotions. I am. I fully am, you know, and that came out of me in one way or the other. The truth all comes out in the wash. So you might as well just get it out now. I want if the truth Mm. is just going to come out anyway, I want it to come out on my terms (laughs) and like not (laughs) because it's like I got so intensely like frustrated that it came out via a pressure point that I didn't intend, you know. Yeah. And allowing that freedom of collaboration with someone I love so much is just like the perfect container for that. I love that as a concept. I think I'm going to launch my musical career here and now just by yes. garbling a bunch of word salad and then writing the real lyrics yes do it dude and like that's the thing like bon Iver does that and he's you mm. know what? he's doing fine bon Iver is doing fine he seems to be doing he's doing great fine. that's the thing we we keep like you know as a society like we we pit ourselves against like these standards that literally any fear that i have as a songwriter i was just talking about this with someone that any fear that I have as a songwriter, that something that I do is not acceptable, someone in the universe is currently getting paid a lot of money to do that exact thing. Crushing it. Crushing it, doing the thing that I am afraid to do, okay? So I have- Everything that you're afraid to do, Prince already made a record Yep, and exactly. So one of my bigger things is I get afraid to like repeat myself, you know, like, like, oh, I came up, I did that melody once already. I said that word once in a song. You know, or, oh, that chord structure is the same, Oh, you know? And then I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, Manu Chao, literally his whole record is like the same song, like 12 different times. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he's doing fine. <laughs> you know, There's like, never he's... been two songs about love. They've, nope. they've never mentioned, once nope. love was done, they never mentioned it <laughs> Just again. Just that one, they got that one love song. It's really good. What What is, what <laughs> is a word that reappears 
in your vernacular you're gonna in your laugh. songwriting. You're going to like this. <laughs> I'm laughing. Dude, I don't know why this is. Teeth. I sing about teeth all the time. I've been wow, singing about teeth okay. since I'm three years old. The, the first recording that I ever had of myself singing a full song that I like wrote was when I was three years old and it was about brushing my teeth and I still sing about teeth. There are three songs on Push that reference teeth and on my new EP, which only has four songs, two of them have teeth in them, maybe three. I don't get That's it. Funny. I don't I, get I it. Was, I'm just letting I, it happen. When I listen, I listened to Push again this morning in preparation for this and I heard I think I if I'm if I'm not mishearing the song, I think I heard Peach. Yeah, Peach also show comes up, up. Like yeah. four songs in a row. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Peach on push for sure. Peach and that kind Writing of became at three a.m. I don't do you know? know. I'm hungry. Do you know? I'm just hungry. That's the thing. Um, yeah, Peaches came up and, and Teeth was on push and also the word belly was on push and mm -hmm. what was funny was the only song that i had to kind of finalize lyrics for push when it was like closer to being finished was audubon garden and so i had seen that the word push or uh, peach and teeth was in a bunch of the other ones so i actually pulled it into audubon kind of on purpose to like mm. make more of a theme but it was already in there nice. i just had to like yeah you know kind of spit shine it a little bit but i don't know why man teeth what they're you, weird what do you eat that peach with you teeth? Get, i have a tooth tattoo actually it's right here. Get out of here. I do. I got one. Uh, there it is. <laughs> you got to get a peach right next to I it. I know. I have a strawberry, but that's for I a different reason. I see the reason. strawberry. Yeah, I got to get a peach. Unfortunately, a peach kind of looks like something else, so I don't fully want to get it tattooed on me, but you know, <laughs> maybe a half of it or a peach pit. Maybe just a peach pit. So at this at this point, it, the connection then, as a medium and a musician, it seems like there's this flow that's happening between mm -hmm. these two roles that you have. These two, yeah. That there there is there a, 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 to go back to the word that you were saying at the beginning that there's a, there is a sense of harmony mm -hmm. right between these ideas. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for noticing that. And yeah, and it's it's something that I take so for granted that once I started to have to articulate it because the mediumship, the volume on that became so loud that I kind of couldn't ignore it, that mm. for a while, and sometimes still, it, it makes me like question my validity as a musician in certain ways. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that there's this, again, this idea that 
you know, if you want to be a musician, especially like a successful musician or someone who has a, an album out on a label or whatever, like that there are these certain tiers or standards or like ladder rungs that you have to get to. And one of those things that I do not have is education in music. I just don't have that. And I've never been interested in it. And um, in a way, because I've had this intuitive and, and psychic connection with music making my whole life that I've gotten to take for granted, I feel like I'm like, wait, but does it, that's me second, Mike. Like, whose voice is that, right? Where I second guess myself. Yeah, and that go, doesn't make sense to right? me at all. Well, because I told because you, I mean. How many musicians are so clearly possessed right? by by something, are in tune with some, right? something, are in touch with well, something? You know, just my, go down the list. Jimi Hendrix or A lot of them. Robert that's Johnson the thing. A lot. Or, or Coltrane or, lot, you know, any, yeah. any of these people are just, yeah. are clearly tapping into something yeah. that is beyond yeah. the physical totally. capacity. Totally. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm still, I, I'm still having a human experience where I'm second guessing myself and feeling insecure and, mm. and doubting it. Right. So for me, the goal now is to just become as integrated as possible. Right. Because there's a version of this where I am a very happy person who makes my music and does my thing and never tells anyone that I also talk to ghosts all day long, right? Like, <laughs> like this, this is a perfect, and I'm diminishing it a little bit, like I mean to hold that in a sacred space, yeah, but just yeah, to yeah, be like yeah, a little yeah. bit light about it is like, yes. in some ways, like that's kind of what's happening. So it, there's a total option for me to leave it out, but it doesn't feel like an option. That's the thing. It feels so integral. So thank you. Like that word integral is about integrity and integrating it's all the same like it's non-negotiable for me at this point so the more i talk about it and so thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about it because i want to be able to like normalize some of these experiences because they're not as weird as we are told right and Mm. um i think if we even just had an ability to say like talk about it with a little bit more lightness of oh yeah okay so someone else is having this experience and that really works for them and they're enjoying it and for me it's it's so blissful. It is beyond joyful to collaborate on music with spirit and and just in a spiritual way, aka non-material, aka I'm not using mm. my brain. You know, I'm using another mm. receptor, right? And I'm using it as a way to communicate with something that has better ideas than I have. I love that. I love that. You know? Um, but even if we can let that aside so that somebody else can come in and go like, oh yeah, I wanna just play with that. Like it doesn't have to be true for it to be real. You know, yeah. I think what's what's really interesting to me about this conversation is the other conversations that I've had have largely been around music, how music makes us feel, mm-hmm. how it elevates us, and and gives us that expansive view of the universe and feels that connection with other things. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting with you it talking about your experience with music is that it it's an experience that that you're channeling as a craft of of making music. You mm-hmm. know, as in, in being being that channel through whom the music is is coming and like you're you've been going back and back and uh, again and again to this idea of of i didn't create that it's just coming through me and Mm -hmm. and and i i hear that sometimes from from musician friends um 
But I think it's interesting that in, in these conversations uh, that I've had so far, they've been largely about what is the feeling that either the storytelling mm -hmm. and the meaning of those stories or what is the message or or just the sort of what you're getting at about about sensory um the upliftment the feeling mm -hmm. of upliftment that that one feels through through listening to music yeah um and and i want to i want to circle back around to the to the name of this of the show of the series of of conversations mm -hmm. soul ladder music because this is coming from this writing in the in the Baha'i faith where Baha'u'llah says that God has made music to be a ladder for our souls. Oh, I love that. I love that. And and I, I just I wanted to to see how as you reflect on some of this music that you're that that you've named, um, whether it's Kate Bush or Gorillas <laughs> or or others, Lizzo, like you've you've called out. Um, Talk talk about that experience also of what is what does that mm. image of of being that ladder mean mean for you? Oh boy, oh that kind of breaks my heart in the most beautiful way. Because I've been in, you know, as we all have in one way or another, I've been in a place where I was in the deepest depths of despair of my own experience and my bottoms, as it were, and the way that I was able to become free of that experience was one step at a time, you know? Mm. So this idea of expectations comes up of, you know, we, we want to, or at least we're maybe told that we're supposed to be able to transmute things on our own, right? That like, if I, like, again, like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, like just put on a happy face or, you know, if it's hard, right. someone else has it harder, you know, and we're right. not really allowed in our culture to have this depth of experience of going, no, this darkness is here to offer me something, you know, it's offering me something and I can only really change it or become in a place of, of lightness. And when I say light, I don't necessarily mean like a beam of light, I mean more like like levity, like a feather more lightness, yes. right? Like Because there's that density and then there's like this lightness. Um, I understand. Which to me is like a more powerful contrast than dark darkness and lightness. But to, to say like, I can only really go from, and Abraham Hicks talks about this a lot. Do you know about them? That's that's no. a whole nother can of worms. Just look up Abraham Hicks. They're this interdimensional okay. being that speaks through this woman named Esther. She's amazing. It's wonderful. Just go go Google it. <laughs> Contact the Oracle. They will give you many, many hours of Abraham Hicks stuff. But they talk about the emotional uh, like gradient scale or the emotional scale where we want to be able to go from like depression and, and despair to bliss, right? Like I should just be able to get myself mm. there. But in fact, like it's way more manageable and actually human to go from okay right now i'm in despair but i'm gonna shoot for sadness and then i'm gonna shoot from sadness to anger and then i'm gonna go up that ladder one more rung into discomfort and then i'm gonna go into frustration right or whatever i don't remember they mm. have a whole list of that you can look at it's, but whatever it is Yo for you yoda's yoda's uh 
warning in reverse. Oh, I don't. Uh, which one? Uh, mm. What what is what is the line that he says? He says, um, "Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate." leads to suffering so yeah, you're, going, you're going in exactly, the opposite totally. of that you're I, trying to bring yourself uh -huh, back from the dark yeah, side yeah exactly right and like and that i can't do that necessarily on my own but even but i also can like like anything that is out there mediumship works because we are all energy if it was something outside of me it, it, and music to me works because we're all energy right like it's all the same mm. you know if i wasn't also made of the stuff that I'm channeling, I wouldn't be able to channel it, right? It's like we have all of the receptors in our right. brain for all of like the right. pain medication that we take. It's just there to like lock into what's already there. It's not giving you anything new. It's just enhancing what's there already, right? So it's the same thing for me with music and mediumship. So when I'm in that, like the ladder of the soul, music is 100% a thing that can bring me from, okay, right now I'm in despair, but I'm gonna go into you know, overwhelmment. And then I'm gonna go from overwhelmment to just dissatisfaction. And then, you know what, actually when I get a little bit higher, then I'm like, okay, now I'm just bored. But that's like, what an improvement to be bored, you know? And to like set more reasonable yeah. expectations of ourselves, right? <laughs> like, geez Louise, like if you're just bored. I'm gonna try that on my, on my kid the yeah. next time. Yeah, <laughs> if you're just bored, you're having a great life. You know, the luxury yeah. of boredom, what a exactly. luxury. But then like not For to sure. give yourself a hard time about that. But like, okay, but then let's let's go to let's go to to oh, I'm a little tickled by this, and now I'm like rocking into compassion and and joy and oh, self-expression and these things that are kind of on the top of the ladder and like music. Oh my gosh, if it didn't get me there, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. Wow. Ah, oh, Jocelyn. <laughs> I mean, you were you were the coolest when we were 15, <laughs> and you're still the coolest now. What can I say? You're the best, Jack. I don't know. I thought you were the coolest, frankly. I don't know if you knew that, but I did. I mean, it's like I said, I, I have never had any experience with a medium. If if you would accept to take me on, I, of course, I would be very anytime. happy to have that experience with you at some point. Anytime, my friend. Really, anytime. I'd love that. I would love that. How does one go about about doing that oh great question you can go to my website jocelynmckenzie.com <laughs> i early adopter i got the url um nice. and uh you can just go to there's three sections uh musician maker and medium and you just go to medium and there's a calendar page where you can i can show you my calendar and you can just pop in your email and uh and go from there it's pretty straightforward that's so pretty, cool. I'm pretty available. I love all the alliteration too. I know it just worked out that way, you know, because I'm also I also make weird stuff, the and that's a whole maker, other medium you know? musician. It's true. It's really true. <laughs> I've enjoyed this so much. I miss you, Thank and you. and I love you, Thank and this you. is a wonderful, wonderful way to reconnect. I'm very grateful. Yes. Thank you. Yes. You you make my world better having you in your world that you and your music in it <laughs> thanks jack thank you so much well please send my love to your family too thank you thank you i hope to meet your hubby at some point yeah. soon too. thanks again for making the climb with me this week on soul ladder music and be sure to check out jocelyn mckenzie whose album push is available everywhere you buy and stream music. You can also catch her currently on tour with Ani DeFranco as part of The Righteous Babes. And if you want to learn more about Jocelyn's work as a medium and a maker, 
You can find everything at jocelynmckenzie.com. There was, as usual, more conversation than I could fit into our hour on Tacoma Radio, so look for the podcast version of our show, and you'll get more music, more stories, and a whole lot more laughter. Find the show in your podcast player of choice. I'll have links to the songs we played in this episode in the show notes. And check out the Soul Ladder Music playlist on Spotify for a running list of all the music played during this series. Thanks as always to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music. And keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.